to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation Podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. And today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 13, Data Lore. Data Lore. One word. Yes, it is. What do you think that's communicating to the audience? Data Lore is a great episode because it's very data-centric. Right. focuses on his past history. Mm -hmm. When I hear the word lore, I think of like mythology, mythic events. It's Mm -hmm. very much an origin story. Yeah. Very much like the creation of the universe, and I'm thinking like Greek mythology and those sort of idioms. Sure. I think it's interesting that the title is the combination of their two names, data and lore. And I don't think it's a coincidence that data lore sort of implies that it's going to be about his past, the lore of data. You think it's not a direct reference to them as characters? It's playing on those words to mean something slightly different. I always like to take it as a pun, but I just like puns, so maybe I'm looking for it. I was thinking more like, rather than two separate characters where you might have data and lore, data versus lore, or something like that, Mm -hmm. they were actually two sides of the same coin kind of thing, like in their um, inception. I like that. But then they got separated and they can't exist well now together. It's not data hyphen lore, it's Mm. data lore. Yeah, it's really one thing. Interesting. Yeah. This episode begins with them approaching Omicron Theta, star system. Data's planet is in this system. His home world. I guess they're doing a little drop-off, stop-by thing, because they know Data's from there, and he hasn't been back since he was originally picked up. Right. They're very interested. Data is taking it in stride. He's busy practicing his sneezes when when they're approaching the planet and wondering, where's Data? This is for him. They're stopping the whole starship, all the crew, for Data. And there he is in his mirror practicing his sneezes because he can't sneeze properly. Well, he can't sneeze at all. No, he's just imitating it. Huh? Huh? (laughs) Yeah, because he doesn't need to sneeze. But neither do humans now, apparently. No, apparently not. Yeah. Oddly. Wesley is weirded out by the sneezing. Although Data points out that, you know, there's other reasons to sneeze. Besides the common cold, which is an ancient disease at this point. Much to your chagrin. Yes, yes, that always annoys me. (laughs) I can feel the animosity. Ah, So we find out, you know, Data holds the memories of 411 colonists Mm -hmm. who used to live on this planet, and they're all dead now. They were farmers, they had farmland, and also they were scientists. And then they're planning to go down to the planet. So as Picard is commanding them and directing to get the away team, Together, he even remarks that he, Picard, would like to go down to the planet if his first officer would let him. You can feel the tension between the two characters, and I thought this was a great pickup from the tension that was left sort of unresolved in Hyde and Q. Mm -hmm. During the long goodbye, we didn't get a lot of interaction between Riker and Picard, Mm -hmm. so that to me is just a filler episode in this overarching plot. Riker disappointed Picard. He showed that he was not as competent or as wise as Picard thought. Picard had a ton of confidence betting Q that Riker was going to defeat him, and in the end, he did succumb to Q's offer of 
gaining immortality or powers or whatever how that cuteness his cuteness yes that just sounds wrong <laughs> so there's that unresolved conflict between them mm-hmm. and you can really feel the almost passive aggressive biting nature of picard when he says that line towards Riker. Well, and it's also harkening back to their very first private conversation mm-hmm. in Encounter at Farpoint when Picard alludes to how Riker interacted with his previous captain and didn't let him go on an away team. And Picard said, is that how you're going to act with me? And Riker's like, yeah, it's my responsibility to keep you safe. You know, you're not the one to put yourself on the line of fire and at risk. It just seems like they're trying to reestablish Is Riker competent? Should Picard listen to what he says? But as you said, it's just more in the ongoing saga of who's in charge? Who has the power? Who has the con? I knew you were going to say that. Oh. (laughs) They go down to the planet, sans Picard. It's now lifeless and completely dead, even down to the bacteria in the soil. They say it happened 20 to 30 years ago. Then Data says, yes, I'm 26. Mm -hmm. And so that lines up. I like the planet, the way that the set was dressed, mm-hmm. that really kind of gray clay dust covering everything, the dead trees. Beautifully constructed. I thought it was really convincing as that kind of barren world feel. Sort of a shocking setting after they set it up as this lush farmland. And then you mm-hmm. get there and then, bam, everyone's dead. Dramatic. Yeah, so they kind of put it together that Data was given all these memories and left unactivated. And then the Snarfleet crew that found him activated him. Right. So he never actually lived with the colonists. No. Doesn't have his own experience of them. Unlike Lore, we find out later, did live with the colonists. And I think Data's a little jealous of that fact or a little bit curious about that fact. Yeah. And this is just his first opportunity to get back there because it's so far out. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of thing you can just decide to go visit on your little vacations and stuff. <laughs> no. From Starfleet. It's too far away. In the opening narration... Picard even calls it the remote Omicron system. Right. So they find, hidden in a naturalistic-looking cove, they find some modern-looking tunnels and then a really modern-looking lab that are all kind of preserved and protected from the elements. That lab looks so new. Yeah, and everything was still humming along and bustling. If it had been a chemistry kind of lab, there would have been beakers still boiling away. Like, that's how fresh it felt. Like, the scientists had just walked out. Yeah, that was a little weird. That was a little odd. (laughs) I couldn't see a layer of dust or 26 years, something sealed in completely. Mm, Very much, yeah. To have that shiny interior maintained so well. If they hadn't found Lore actually disassembled, I would have assumed he was running it. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, he could have been running it, and then they found him lifeless and assumed he hadn't been activated, but actually he'd been working on stuff and learning all this time. That would have been interesting. Well, you know, I do what I can. (laughs) Brilliant as always, darling. Oh, thank you, dear. Thank you. They see the sketches that become an important point later. Yes, of the children. Children's sketches that are all depicting something similar, but it's very strange. They kind of say it's proud parents, but it's possible that the scientists or other adults on this base had realized something weird was going on with their kids' dreams and fantasies. Mm. They were all syncing up, and perhaps they were investigating it. In the drawings, all the stick figures are running away. There's Mm -hmm. this ominous-looking structure in the sky. I really liked the foreshadowing of that. It was a little bit cheesy to have it be coming to them implied in their dreams, I think. Mm -hmm. They've used that more than once on this show. 
I guess it could have been in the sky for a while before it did anything. And then they are just drawing it because that's what's going on. And they're scared, but they don't know what's going to happen. It would have had to be a while, though, for them to have the situation be not urgent enough for them to still be drawing it. But it begs the question, why were the scientists studying the drawings rather than having data in the computer about the entity that they could scan? It's a good mystery, though. We don't know quite what's going on yet. It's nice that they don't over-explain everything. It turns out it's the lab of Dr. Noonien Soong. Data kind of remembers him suddenly. Oh, Dr. Soong. Like, that triggers in his memory when he's at this place. Yep. And they're all like, oh, yeah, Dr. Soong. He was a big Isaac Asimov fanboy. You <laughs> yes. know, trying to recreate his stuff, even though, you know, if he had read the works more carefully, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, those are more of a <laughs> cautionary tale yeah. of the potential danger of creating AI, creating the positronic brain that we later learn is powering data. Like you said, if he had heeded the warnings, he <laughs> might have not created lore and then data. He was like, this is cool. We shouldn't make this. Ah, it'll be fine. And they hint at some probably funny, scandalous backstory where he's the world's foremost robotics expert, tries to make this positronic brain and can't do it, so he flees Earth in embarrassment. Yes. And goes all the way out to this remote system to hide. It's very funny. It was interesting that Data didn't know who he was, but everyone else did. Bit of a plot hole, I think. Possibly. Why would they know? And he had never heard of it. He's been on Earth for 26 years. And he probably would look up whoever the foremost experts were Mm -hmm. in robotics, as he is a robot. That would just make sense for him to study that. Cool visual moment. They find a mold of Data, and he slowly puts it over his face, and it's a perfect fit. Great set piece. Very nice. So then they find the cold storage, where lore is disassembled. I found Data's reaction really interesting. You thought it made sense. What did you find interesting about it? I thought maybe he'd be a little more cautious about a similar being to himself since he knows what he's capable of, you know, physically and mentally. And in the future, and this hasn't happened yet, do you remember that one episode where he completely takes over the Enterprise with no problem whatsoever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's dangerous. (laughs) He should be wondering, like, what will this entity be like if it's sinister or has bad intentions towards the humans and the other crew? It could really be a huge threat. He knows he could be a huge threat, but he's just so excited at the possibility of having another person like him that he doesn't think about that. While I agree that he could have been more cautious knowing his own abilities, I think this plays into his shortcomings. Data wants to be human, and he's Mm -hmm. so obsessed and focused on that idea that he doesn't consider how much he still is a machine. And it's the machine half of him that's so dangerous. It's quick calculations, Mm -hmm. the fact that he can basically interface with the computer, potentially, the way he's so strong. Later, we see Lore beat up Worf. Worf! In, like, one blow. Two or three blows, and he's gone. He's done. Data's excited about the possibility of learning more about who he is and maybe having a connection, I want to say interface, with another being like him that he sort of overlooks the potential dangers. And this episode bears out. He's more human than he gives himself credit for. Yes. The crew does mostly see him as human, or at least normal. You know, obviously they're used to other races that aren't human, but they see him as a person. 
which is highlighted by their discomfort in needing to open him up and look at him to figure out how to construct lore. Right. And it really is weirding them out. It's like a taboo. Yeah, they're treating it like an invasion of privacy. Yeah. When he's just a machine, he doesn't have any concern about that kind of thing. They would, and they're ascribing their view of personhood to him. Which is good. So they quickly decide to bring all the lore parts back onto the ship, which it turns out Picard supports fully. They have a cool scene where they show the engineers and medical people working together to try and assemble him. That was cool. We I really liked that. We don't always see the different crews on the ship working together oh, right. quite so closely. And that was really neat to see the doctors in their blue and the gold of the engineers all yeah. working together and collaborating to figure <laughs> it out. And we've been with the show long enough now that I immediately recognized that it was engineers and medical. Yeah. Before they showed, you know, Mr. Argyle, the returning chief engineer. Mr. Argyle. Whoa, he's still alive, people. Beverly was there. So then you know for sure what's going on. It was nice to see Argyle again. Yeah. A returning character, chief engineer. Pretty exciting. We've not seen really very many chief engineers returning. The very first episode had that one woman. I haven't seen her since. I've seen Argyle once, and then they had... Unfortunate Mr. Singh. The unfortunate Mr. Singh. Yeah. And then they have Wesley, who's obviously really in charge of the engineering department. I think the show picks up when Jordy finally takes over the engineering, develops his character in a meaningful way. Yeah, they needed a main bridge person who could kind of go back and forth between engineering and the bridge to really bring in that part of the ship to the main story, I think. And that's why it feels a little awkward now, I think, because so much does happen in engineering, but we don't have a main character down there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. They don't have a Scotty counterpart. Right. Having the captain always calling Scotty and Scotty yelling back at him. There was some great <laughs> tension and drama yeah. there. And like you said, having that main character really pulls that part of the ship more into the story. They've been trying to do that with, unfortunately, Wesley yeah. as the way to connect the two. It doesn't work as well as it will once uh-huh. they get Jordy in the proper position. It's interesting you mentioned the original series. I didn't think of that because they do already understand <laughs> that they need a main character in engineering. Or they did. They've shown so far in Next Generation, maybe they were thinking they'd make engineering less important, but they haven't been able to. They're always ending up back there. Right, But for some reason, they didn't put a main character there right away. It's Mm. just interesting. Maybe it was something they had to learn while they were writing. Data had been watching the team working on Lore's body, and then he gets called in to talk to Riker and Picard. That's when we kind of see Picard saying, you made a good decision, Will, to bring Laura up. And then Data seems troubled. He does. The officers in the ready room seem a little uncomfortable talking about Data and who he is. And it's a great moment where Picard sort of takes command and says, we're not going to be awkward about this. We're just going to deal with it like we would any other person. He says, we're just electrochemical machines, machines of a different type. So no one's going to be embarrassed anymore. That's it. (laughs) I'm putting an end to it. Very nice. That was fun. So they mentioned the child's drawings. They found more of them, I think. Yes. They're starting to be aware of this crystalline entity. I think Soong was using Lore to communicate with this crystalline creature. My hypothesis is that Lore turns on the people, in fact, even kind of admits it later on in one of the lines, and uses the crystalline entity to sort of maybe make his escape. My guess is Soong found out about it and disassembled him. So you think Soong knew about the crystalline entity before? Possibly. Okay, I thought he activated Lore, and then Lore had a mind of his own and was communicating on the sly. And I thought that he had already told the crystalline entity about them and where to come and stuff. But at the same time, people were getting upset and uncomfortable about him, remember? So he ended up getting shut down before the crystalline entity actually made it to the planet. 
My only other thought related to that is that we do get to meet Dr. Soong in a later season, and he escaped the planet. So my reasoning is that he once again panicked and did what he always does, which is when he's in trouble, he abandons the planet and leaves, which is how he handled the Earth situation. He didn't do what he said he was going to do, and he just left. Mm -hmm. That's part of his character. He finds out from the drawings that there's this creature coming, tries to use lore to communicate. Lore betrays him, and then he freaks out, and he leaves. Okay. Leaving the poor farmers and other scientists. And then maybe it was the scientists who were left, who were not as smart as Soong, who got data together. Soong was already working on him. They used data to upload their memories, and then they all died. So data shows Beverly his off switch. He does. We get a look inside Data while they're trying to map his circuitry. And then Lore comes to life. I wrote, it's alive. It's more like, it's Brent Spiner, as he actually is. Uh, He does such a good job playing two different characters. You really believe it's two different people. Yes. Like Lisa Kudrow playing Phoebe and Ursula and Friends. Like She has a completely different manner. It's not just that she has different lines. And it's the same with Brent Spiner. Lore is very different from Data. Lore has all the sort of impish, sarcastic, using contractions. He's very proud of his contractions. Very proud. (laughs) Data is so formal and stiff. Pretty much the first thing Lore says is that Data is imperfect and he was made to replace Data, which we later find out is not true. What a liar. So funny. They are kind of like siblings that way. Yes. Like the first thing he does is try to throw Data under the bus. Completely. Picard and Data have a private conversation where Data says he'll stay loyal to Starfleet over Lore. It's more important to him. They're having such a nice little moment, and then it immediately cuts to Data coming back to the bridge. They're teaching Lore how to do Data's job. (laughs) Typical. I felt so bad for Data. Me too. I did think that once again, Riker showed a lot of his prowess, a small moment, a glimpse of it, in that he sort of tricked Lore into revealing more information about himself, as Data later points out, to Lore. With the Pythagorean theorem? Yes. Why did he want to pretend he didn't know that? I think Lore was trying to make it seem like he was just born. Like He didn't want them to know that he'd already previously been activated. Oh, because he was saying he was younger, right? So he shouldn't know anything. Exactly. Okay. But that could have been pre-programmed. They don't know. I don't know. That seemed like the first thing you'd program into a robot, you know, geometry. Yeah, okay. Sure, of course. You're an engineer, so (laughs) of course you think that. Pythagorean theorem. That's, you know, lesson one in being a robotic humanoid. Fair. (laughs) Lore is a jerk. I think that's the word I can say on this podcast. I wrote down he's a smiley jerk he reminded me a lot of loki from the marvel movies yeah he's very very like that he even looks kind of like him tom hiddleston yeah tom hiddleston all he needs is that curving golden helm with the large horns and lore would totally wear that oh yeah yeah he is a little grandiose so that would fit perfectly the smugness the bravado he's not unlike q he has a very similar personality he's really a psychopath yes So he talks a lot about being more human because he's better at speech and he knows how to smile. And lie. And lie. But he's actually just imitating a different aspect of humanity. If he were a person, you would say he's cold and has no soul. He's not doing a good job. He doesn't understand what it means to be human any more than Data does, although Data's learning. Right. Data knows what he doesn't know. He knows he has to learn about humans. Laura thinks he has it all figured out, which is wrong. Arrogance. Very. He has all the worst attributes. He does. Brent Spiner was channeling his inner John Delancey. (laughs) 
or his inner Loxana. Yes. <laughs> she also thinks she has it all figured out and doesn't. Star Trek likes their characters who feel like they're all knowing, point out how much they don't know everything. And that also plays into the overall theme of space being so incomprehensibly enormous mm-hmm. that you can't know everything. They're all just little specks thinking that there's something more. Yes. Just like humans. Well, you mentioned a couple episodes ago pride being a really common failing. That's right. It is a big failing. In Star Trek. And that's popping up again. He's too proud and he gets defeated. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Data and Lore have this whole conversation and Lore tells him way too much. And then, of course, Data is going to tell Picard. You've got me monologuing. Yeah, that was funny. That was. (laughs) He knows he's a villain. That's the thing. He's like a human psychopath. He's trying to imitate people, but he doesn't get it. That's where Lore admits that he was made first, and he says he was too human, and it made the colonists uncomfortable. But actually, he was just really, really scary, (laughs) because he's an extra powerful, speed-reading psychopath, and that's terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah, so they were like, turn him off. We can't have this. We're going to get killed. I'm not surprised at all. And then they did, but it was too late. That's when they find out for sure a giant crystalline entity killed the colonists. Riker doesn't believe this. What does he believe? Nothing. He hasn't seen it yet, so it can't have happened. (laughs) We've said many times he's a see-it-to-believe-it kind of guy. Yeah. If he hasn't experienced it, it doesn't exist. You're absolutely right with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Picard says it's possible. He's not one to rule things out. Riker needs to cool it. He's got to realize by this point that there are things that happen that he wouldn't have dreamed of until he sees them. At least has to give it that much. They're starting to question data. Yar is skeptical that Data will remain loyal to Starfleet. Yar is always thinking everyone's going to betray them. Picard very firmly says, I trust Data completely. But then he also says it's not wrong to ask that question. He does. It's within Yar's job as security officer to wonder about people's motives. Right. Laura poisons Data with champagne. A very human moment there. That was great. Slipping a poison into someone's alcohol. Data didn't see it coming. No, because he's never been poisoned. I'm sure that's never occurred to him. Hold on. He loves Sherlock Holmes. A lot of poisoning in Sherlock Holmes. You know, he doesn't see Lore as a villain. Misclassified him. Yep. He assumed he was friendly, even though he's definitely not acting friendly. Data, in a very human way, is hoping for the best. Yeah, although if a human had been privy to that conversation that was private between Data and Lore and saw the way Lore acted, there is no way that human would still be trusting Lore. That was terrifying. Data just doesn't pick up on some of that stuff like a human would. Laura claims he has the full richness of human need and ambition. Again, he is full of it. He is so unaware of what he's missing, he doesn't know what it is, much less understand it. Tragic overconfidence, again. Yes, he's been very poorly programmed. Data's unconscious, and he's just doing that villain thing where he says all his plans for the sake of the audience. It's really funny that, that they went funny. they went like classic villain, the kind you throw peanuts at in a melodrama ah! or something. Yeah. Boink, boink, boink. That's when he says he's the one who communicated with the entity and brought it straight to the colonists. Right. I think it's interesting the parallel between Lore and Riker. They both think they've seen everything. Mm-hmm. Or they can imagine that they've seen everything. Mm-hmm. They share that overconfidence. Lore definitely is the villain. He tells Data, dream bigger. You have the memories of 411 colonists. We can have the consciousness of the entire universe or something. Of billions. That's another Q-like thing. Right. That huge ranging experience that goes beyond human mental capacity. Lore doesn't want to be constrained by human limitations and wants to try to become as omnipotent as possible and as powerful as possible, which is his undoing. 
Something he forgets is that he was designed by a human, so he can only get beyond humans so much. Yes. Like, their abilities are greater than humans in some ways. Strength, mental quickness, that kind of thing. But they're just enhanced versions of what humans can do. They don't have completely separate abilities like some of the other aliens we've seen. Exactly. He's inherently limited by his creator. By humanness. Fascinating. Even though he thinks he's beyond that. So he switches clothes with Data. Classic twin stuff. Pins in the popper. He moves his facial tick to Data's face and takes it off his own face. Everyone is very invested in the facial tick. That's the the only way you can tell them apart. The only way. Wesley is suspicious of him as soon as Lore acting as Data gets back to the bridge. Yes, he has quite the outburst. Actually, Beverly is suspicious too because when Lore comes in as Data, he just casually mentions his off switch. That he had to turn Lore off. And Beverly is like, wait a minute. You know, you told me this, but wow. Like, now you're telling everyone when he had made such a big point that he wouldn't tell everyone. Yes, he did. So that's an inconsistency that immediately jumps out to her. However, this leads to shut up, Wesley. It does. Which was such a hollow victory for me. I agree. On the one hand, am I excited people are telling him to shut up? Totally. But of all the times... This time he actually was right, and no one was listening. He wasn't just interjecting when other people already knew what was going on, and he was just piling on. He actually had a unique point that no one else was making, and he was right, and that's when they tell him to shut up. Unfortunately, I hate to tell you this. No. I I think this happens more than once. Oh. I think most of the times it's shut up, Wesley. That line appears is when he is right. Oh, that's so painful. It is. It is. Because you can sympathize that he's in the right. Yeah. He knows what's going on. He's observing correctly. He's reading things correctly. But because he's a kid, on that merit alone, his viewpoint is discounted or undercut by the adults in the room. And he says that. To his credit, he does say. I additionally feel bad for him because they're giving him this adult role and putting him on the bridge and then still treating him as lesser. Inconsistent treatment. They need to decide, is he an adult or is he a child? Which way are we going to treat him? I think it's more of a begrudging allowance on Mm -hmm. Picard's part. I don't think Picard thinks of him as an adult at all. Riker is trying to treat him more like an adult. Riker is clearly annoyed at Wesley too. And when Lore, as Data, says, you have to leave, he's too upset, he won't talk while you're there, Riker just goes. That was surprising. Almost too easy. Too easy. Well, that's what he says. Humans are so dumb. Lore is taking over for Data, or trying to in this episode, so we decided to do a Lore of the day. I like it. (laughs) How sad, dear brother. You make me wish I were an only child. Ooh. Burn. Sick burn. I wrote down that would have hurt if Data had feelings. (laughs) So the crystal entity has caught up to them very quickly. It's faster than they are. Which is impressive given that they can go up to warp 9. Warp 9.8 or something. Yeah. Yeah, they're closing in on warp 10. Once Wesley's in charge of propulsion, I'm sure they'll be right past that. They'll break the warp 10 barrier. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not communicating, which made me amused. Because I know it's protocol, they have to try to talk to things, but do they really think it was going to communicate with them? It doesn't look like it has any capacity for normal communication. No, I don't think so. No. Which is interesting, how is using a normal communicator, Lore, able to communicate with it? I think it can understand, I just don't think it talks back. Gotcha. Maybe. It must have talked back to him somehow, or he wouldn't have known what it was before it showed up. 
Unfortunately, we don't have Troy in this episode to Mm -hmm. read its essence and tell us more. So we're left wondering. She would have just been like, it's filled with rage and hunger. (laughs) And we would have been like, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. It's obvious. (laughs) Laura comes back and he's confused by make it so. He is. He doesn't know what that means. And he also just calls Riker Riker instead of sir. He does. And those are the two things that start to tip off everyone. Riker is above him, so he wouldn't just call him Riker. They're going to send a security team. Maybe they don't realize. Maybe they're just worried about what Data is going to do since he's acting violent, according to Lore. Yes. Which, you know, reverse all that in their minds. <laughs> So they try to send a security team. Lore, acting as Data, cuts Worf off from everyone else in the turbo lift and knocks him out. He handily defeats him in combat. I was excited for one second when Lore and Worf were going to face off. And it was like one of those boxing matches where they get knocked out on the first punch. Yeah. And it's like a lot of build up for nothing. Then Lore gets to the transporter room is going to send over a tree to temporarily lower the shields. Right. So Beverly, Wesley, and Data catch him because Beverly and Wesley have reactivated Data. You know, so I guess Riker still didn't pick up on it. It was just Beverly that picked up on it. Riker, again, he hasn't seen it yet. So no, I'm going to say he has not picked up on it. I agree. I was trying to give him more credit, I guess. But now that I'm thinking back... Beverly was already suspicious because of the switch comment. And then those other things were what confirmed it and made her willing to go back with Wesley and activate Data. Right. And then they jump into action. Which leads to the amazingly exciting climax of this episode. I want to point out, like I usually do, the music was great in this episode. Mm -hmm. I noticed it a lot. The mixing was different or something, or just the quality of the score was better. A lot of muted trumpets, Mm -hmm. lots of... Sweeping strings, Mm -hmm. some really great tension at the end with the dissonances. Maybe they were just more inspired by the plot for the music because there was some mystery and there was action. It was good. Right. Yeah, they did really well on the mysterious music closer to the beginning. That's Mm -hmm. what I noticed. Lore is just ready to kill Wesley. Totally ready. Yeah, no hesitation. None. He gets rid of Beverly by threatening Wesley, but he does shoot her a little on the way out because he's a jerk and a psychopath. Right. This is the most cruel we've seen anyone being, I think. So violent. He purposefully just injures her to make her have pain. He's very sadistic. Yeah, he is. Dr. Soong messed up with his programming, like I said. That's bad programming (laughs) for a robot. (laughs) Really calls into question Dr. Soong's own personality. Yeah, well, we'll find out more about that later, as Mm. you mentioned. Data manages to get the phaser away from him, and then they have an epic fight with barrels. It's pretty cool. Very Donkey Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was made in the 80s. (laughs) Hey. Hey. And then they managed to get Lore on the transporter pad, and they just beam him to his coordinates that he previously entered in. He's not dead, right? Nope. Because he's a robot. He can be out there. Exactly. I remember when we do meet Dr. Soong in the future, Mm -hmm. Lore is there. It's also possible he somehow hitched a ride on the crystal entity. Very possible. I mean, I could believe that. They were best buds. Yeah, whatever that means. Together forever. <laughs> a psychopathic android and a mysterious crystalline entity touring the galaxy together. Sounds like a great show. Still a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> That's a little bit of a dated meme, but I'm going to let it check out. Woo! At the very end, their closing thought, Picard and Riker... Oh yeah, they get there too late to help anyone, by the way. Data and Wesley totally have that locked down. 
Good teamwork on their part. Data's like, no, Wesley, and Wesley does it. Yeah, great. they're great. Well, Data actually respects Wesley. Actually, they alluded to that earlier in the episode where he tells Lore not to underestimate Wesley. That's right. Yeah, he's the only one in this episode who really showed Wesley respect. To Data's credit. Yeah, well, Data doesn't get annoyed. He doesn't. So putting that aside, there's plenty to respect about Wesley. He sees his value. Yeah. Despite the sometimes plot-filling ex machina moments that we have to endure. I, being human, have a harder time ignoring Wesley's annoyances. You know, we can't all be androids. We can all try. <laughs> anyway, so then Picard and Riker show up too late, blah, blah, blah. And then the kind of closing thought, is Data more or less human than they would prefer? Meaning, is he less than human and that's kind of uncomfortable? Or is he actually very human and how is that possible in his android form? Talked about this a little already. That is where they leave the episode. That's kind of the question that propels us forward in Data's overarching plot. Which, as we mentioned in a previous episode, they do develop his character very well over a very long period. They do. It's his quest for humanity that makes Data probably one of the most endearing characters of the next generation. It's very compelling. Very compelling, and it really makes us think about our own humanity Mm -hmm. and our ideals. Best part of Next Generation is Data. Brent Spiner plays him with so much humor and sensitivity and just sympathy. He's really sympathetic and likable. Very. For him to have an ambition other than power or prestige like the others do makes him really enjoyable. Relatable, refreshing, Mm -hmm. great stuff. Are you ready to give your rating and overall thoughts? I really like this episode a lot. I enjoyed the plot. I thought it was well-paced. I enjoyed the development of Data's character. It was nice to meet a new villainous character, kind of a Mm -hmm. counterpart to lore. That's a classic way of creating a villain is you just take your hero and then make the villain whatever that hero is, even more. As I mentioned, I thought the score was great. I didn't really have too many downsides or negatives that I can think of at this moment. They did some nice foreshadowing with the crystal entity, so when it showed up, it wasn't just out of the blue. It had a nice arc there. I'm excited to see where they take Data's character in the future, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to give this episode 10 out of 10. Wow. Sick lore burns. This is the 13th episode, and it's the first one that's Data's. Data is the main character. That was wonderful. The plotting on this episode was really good. It started out with that whole mystery of Data and where he came from, and then it was compounded by the mystery of what happened to the planet that he was created on. And then it transitioned very smoothly from that mystery to the conflict and then to the climax that had more to do with the conflict and the mystery with his contention with Lore and what Lore was trying to do. One of the most consistently plotted, evenly paced episodes so far. Brent Spiner was amazing, playing two characters. He already is one of the best actors on the show, and the way he portrays Data, he really gets the character. And then he did the same thing for such a different character as Lore. Top-notch acting and writing. I can't give it 10 out of 10. There's just something that wasn't quite as wonderfully cohesive as the last episode with the holodeck that I can't quite identify, but it just wasn't as good for me. Maybe some fun. It was missing some fun. I like having that mixed in. So I would give it nine and a half out of 10 creepy child premonition drawings. This has been season one, episode 13, Data Lore.
Thank you so much for listening. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. What? Oliver wants to be fed? One moment, while we put the cat's needs above our own. The needs of the cat outweigh the needs of the humans. (laughs) (laughs) Oi vey. We are back. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.